Live on Joy 99.7 FM. This is News Night in the next 60 minutes. Tonight, sweeping changes to how things work in Parliament takes effect as MPs are now required to recite the National Pledge once a week and undertake a roll call every sitting day. Order 69 enjoins the House to recite the National Pledge at the first sitting of every week of a meeting. We have details of how the committees in the House will now be composed and also hear all about the rare show of bipartisanship as minority and majority leaders call on EC to reverse decision to ditch the indelible ink for the 2024 election with the NDC MPs vowing to fight the EC every step of the way. We will not countenance the elimination of the indelible ink from the electoral process and let the electoral commission read our lips. We will not. We are appealing to the electoral commission to reintroduce it and also ensure that the ink that they apply is very fast. Also coming up. Atta! Atta! Enforce! Enforce! Oh, police officers from the form police unit stationed at Kweubipong responding to a morale booster chant from the regional minister, Sethi Champong, who has been on a community engagement in Kweu today as he urges police officers to remain professional in their conduct of their duty. The community themselves are the ones witnessing your professionalism and dedication to duty. And so this is to equally express my encouragement on behalf of our regional security council to tell you that please keep up the good work you're doing and help us maintain public order in this town. We have details as businesses and health facilities reopen two days after clashes. An IMF best seat at government insisting government must diligently and strictly adhere to the bailout program as cabinet directs the finance minister to formally engage with the IMF on the expenditure um, cuts as government struggles to implement the 15% VAT on electricity. Going forward, it will be really, really important that Ghana continues to implement the program uh, that they have developed uh, as envisaged. Um, that is really uh, critical. And I'll tell you all about 12 taxes bill to come into force this year as part of revenue measures promised by government to the IMF. And in business, economist Dr. Chui Champon challenges claims Ghana needs IMF approval to scrap taxes on electricity consumption. And in sports, Arban Bagwin says sacking coaches will not deal with issues facing Ghana's football, insisting more has to be done to take the Black Stars back to its glory days. And much later, we hear NACA's justification on the decision to stop elective science students from taking core maths and integrated science as part of the examinable courses starting from the 2024-2025 academic season. But we are saying that the new curriculum, you do core maths, which is additional maths, and that is for the pure science students. They won't do any other maths because what they are going to do, it's good enough for them to do their subjects when they want to move out. We have that and more in tonight's edition of Newsnight. Your comments and thoughts are welcome via WhatsApp is 055-1111-997 on our social media platforms. You can send us a message with the hashtag Newsnight. I am MFR Powell. And my name is Evan Spencer. I am MFR Powell. It's been years <laughs> in coming, but tonight it is finally here. Uh, Parliament started the implementation of its new standing orders with significant alterations to the way Parliament works. Well, apart from reconstituting committees and breaking a few of them down members of parliament perhaps as a mark of showing their patriotism will now recite the national pledge every once in a week before they start every week now to deal with absenteeism also mps will undertake a roll call every sitting the house unanimously adopted the new standing orders before rising for christmas last december well let's bring in our parliamentary affairs correspondent Sante, walk us through everything we need to know uh, when it comes to these uh, new um, sweeping uh, changes that has been made first uh, let's talk about the background to adopting this new standing order Yes, MFR, since 2000, according to the Speaker of Parliament, leadership on both sides of the House have tried to revise the standing orders to bring it up in terms of the current nature of how Parliament should work. It has taken a long time. In fact, last year, it took some delays here and there before Parliament was ultimately able to, by resolution, approve that new standing orders for it to take effect on the 2nd of January of this year. So it's taken some work through several speakers, through 
majority minority leaders. But finally, they've been buying by members on both sides of the house, and this has come to effect. Of course, there are a few pockets of challenges that people have, but the generality of the, the, the argument on the floor of the house is that it is important to make these changes to ensure that Parliament is able to live up to its responsibilities. Well, now let's talk about the significant changes uh, to the committee setup of Parliament. Yes, NFR, there used to be the Finance Committee which dealt with all matters of finance, what it had to do with the budget, taxes, everything went to the Finance Committee. In fact, it was so powerful that almost every other MP who came to, to, to Parliament wanted to be on the Finance Committee and leadership on both sides were always talking about how it was a, a, a difficult thing putting members on this committee. The Finance Committee, as we know it now, it's no more existing. Of course, there will still be a finance committee that will deal with just mere matters of finance every now and then, made up of 13 members. But that bigger finance committee has now been broken down into three different committees. There will now be a committee on planning, which will ensure that Ghana sticks to its planning development agenda that they have set up in, in terms of how the country wants to go in the next few years. There will also be a committee on the economy. This will specifically deal with matters having to do with the growth of the economy and all that. While the finance committee, just the, 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 for the sake of its name, and the, and the, the lesser one will deal with matters of taxes and other things when they come. There will also now be an intelligence committee, and persons who follow U.S. and U.K. politics know about this intelligence committee, which will deal with intelligence, with the security agencies. That has also now come into effect, and very soon we'll get to know who chair that committee, who will rank on that, and which members will go on that committee. The appointment committee, as we've known it, has always been chaired by the first deputy speaker after the standing of this. Initially, the agreement was that the appointment committee should now be chaired by the minority in parliament. But it appears there's been some agreement that the first deputy speaker should still chair the appointments committee. But now the membership will be made of members, the leaders, I should say, on both sides, leadership on both sides. And then the other members will be drawn from other committees, depending on the subject or the work the committee is doing. So the committee is supposed to vet judges, then they will draw some members from the judiciary committee, most likely the leadership of that committee. If they have to vet someone for health ministry, for instance, then they can co-op members from the health committee as well. So those are some of the sweeping changes that have been made to the existing committees as we know them now. Quick clarification, though. So, as it stands now, you talk about an intelligence committee that would operate separately from the Defence and Interior Committee in Parliament? Yes, the Defence and Interior Committee has also been broken down. Initially, the Defence and Interior Committee dealt with the, uh, the, the military, the police, the intelligence agencies like the National Security and all that. Parliament says that job is a lot for that 25-member committee to be able to do that. And so they split that. And so there'll be, there'll be, there'll be the Defence and Interior Committee, as you still know it, but with a whistle-down responsibility so that the, 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 the new Intelligence Committee will assume some of its responsibilities and deal with the National Security as well as the National Security Council chaired by the President. And these compositions are yet to be done, as we know. Yes, we understand some significant conversations have been, mm. been, been, been going on and that in the coming days, the leadership on both sides will adore the members on all these new committees. If the Finance Committee will not be broken down um, to three different committees and then the membership will now be drawn to 13 each. All these rigging will have to be done. In the coming days, we expect that that will be published officially. And uh, the interesting part, the bit about the roll call each setting and then also the pledge recitation uh, during the week. Well, before you answer that, let's listen to what happened. <laughs> Some recitation there were they reading or they were saying it from memory well they were reading per shadow four of the new standing orders it has the pledge there but the speaker of parliament says he expects that in the coming weeks mps will be able to recite by heart the the, the, the national pledge you would know that and a couple of a couple of locations at the appointment committee the 
ministerial ministers have been asked to retire the national pledge, and it's been a whole melee and confusion at the President's committee. The Speaker of Parliament says he expects that after MPs recite this one, two, three times, MPs will now be able to commit this to memory, get up on their feet on the floor of the House, and recite the national pledge without let or hindrance. And I bet you've been interacting with MPs on how they're receiving all these changes um, on the first day of resumption of Parliament. What have they been telling you? Well, for many of them, it's a difficult switch. The current standing of this has been in effect since 2000, when it was revised a little around that time. It has been in operation for more than two decades now. And for so many of the senior members of Parliament, this is all they know. The existing standing of this has been been overtaken by these new rules. It's all they knew. And so, for instance, the orders have not been changed. It means that every MP from the persons who've been there for 28 years, for persons who've been there their first term, they all now start from scratch. They all now have to learn the starting orders, learn the ropes, learn the procedures in the house. For instance, now committees will now be opened to a certain extent to the public. That means media can go into some of these committees. These are all things that members will have to take their time to be able to get acclimatized to the idea of roll call, standing on your feet every morning to be counted that you are in the house before the house business will proceed. These are all things that are new to MPs. And for many of them, it will take some time to get used to it. And that's our Parliamentary Affairs correspondent, uh, Kwekwa Sante there. Thank you so much for taking us through um, all these changes in Parliament. Thankfully, uh, we've been joined on the phone by Ahmed Ibrahim. He's the Deputy Minority Whip, part of the leadership of the House. who have been working on this. Uh, he joins us on the line. We are grateful for your time here on uh, Newsnight. Well, let's talk about why this change has become necessary. Hello. It doesn't appear that we have uh, Ahmed Ibrahim there on the phone. We'll try again and then and then bring him back. And this is a conversation that we've had before on PM Express. We'll get to hear if the MPs are able to recite amongst others. Evan, so we'll, we'll get to that shortly. But let's try again if we have the Deputy Minority Whip on the line. We are grateful for your time. Can you hear me, Ahmed Ibrahim? Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, man. Good to see you, Um, Good to have you. We're wondering about why this change has become necessary from the leadership point of view, you'd say. To begin with, let me say a very good evening to your cherished listeners. These changes have become very necessary because if you check from 93, when we were starting the Fourth Republic, there were only two former entities with parliamentary experience. And that was D.H. Mensa, D.H. Osua Champon, and Honorable Norte Kolisong Osu. And these were the only two MPs who had former parliamentary experience in the state republic. So all the 198 MPs who were added to them to make it 200 to formulate the standing order for that parliament had no previous parliamentary experience. And we practiced that standing orders from 1997, 1993 to 2000. Therefore, in November 2000, there was a change because a rule of procedure must be a living document. So in 2000 November, there was a change to be able to make sure that the challenges that were confronting the parliament in terms of practice and procedure and learning from best practices as a result of practicing and traveling to do benchmark visit, they changed the signing orders in November 2000. From November 2000 to date, there has not been any change in our rules of procedure. However, you remember when the court case came between whether a deputy speaker can vote while presiding and all those things, the Supreme Court ruled that Parliament must strike down some of some provisions in our standing orders because they were unconstitutional. All these are examples that have confronted the House. So right from November 2000, 24 years now, there are some gaps that we have seen in our procedures that we needed to fill. And speakers upon speakers, they have made, tried, they've been trying to make an effort to do away with some of those challenges but okay. it has not been possible 
But breaking down of um, some of these uh, committees, at least uh, from uh, what our parliamentary affairs correspondent takes us through, it looks like the issue about finance, for instance, you now have economy, you have planning, you have intelligence, defense and interior amongst others. It looks like um, it, we are creating a superfluous situation. We have a number of committees that will be duplicating roles. No. The Constitution in Article 103 says that Parliament committees shall comprise of different people with different shades of opinion. And that a member should belong to at least one standing committee and one select committee. So we are not creating superfluous committees, but we want a situation whereby you will not create a committee of 25, whereby in actual practice, when you go into sitting, the, some of the committee members belong to a committee here and belong to another committee here. We want to create a situation whereby there will be expertise. There are other areas in the economy that have been overlooked. Well, when you talk of finance committee, the standing orders say that finance committee shall be in charge of matters of, in relation to finance. So just looking at loans and procedure of loans and all those kind of things. But there must be a responsibility of the committee that will look at the budget itself and then the economy itself, not necessarily for terms and conditions of financial loans and all those things. So that is the essence of that. You remember that the finance ministry is committee it is a minister of finance and economic planning then you remember mm -hmm. it is not just a minister of finance it is minister of finance and economic planning because finance is not the, the minister's responsibility is not only dealing with finance economic planning is a major aspect and that one parliament should be able to create a committee that will train people with the expertise to be able to consider economic planning, national development planning, and all those things, so that a minister for finance may not be able to hide anything from parliament. That we'll get to deal with the issue about the pledges as well, Evans. But uh, let's talk about uh, other things coming up from uh, this particular change, right? Yes, let's do so. Let's bring in the uh, chairman, Andia Piakubi, MP for Asante Chem North, joins us right now with his thoughts on this. Uh, thank you for your time on Newsnight. I'm curious, when will all this take effect? I mean, when will you reconstitute the committees and the new ones come into play? Hello, Andia Piakubi. Hello. Yes. Yes, I thought you were... Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Yes, so these new committees and the ones that you've reconstituted, when are they going to start working? When are you reconstituting all that? Uh, well, uh, the, by the orders of the parliament, uh, these new rules take effect from 2nd January 2024. So I presume that it's already in, in effect. But you must necessarily reconstitute and then constitute these new committees for them to work. I believe that hasn't happened. Yeah, interestingly, most of the uh, committees have been reconstituted already, except a few of the new ones yet to be reconstituted. I, I would have thought that <clears throat> we'll look at the new, some of the new orders, particularly order 14 of attendance, uh, order 69 of the National Pledge uh, to be cited once every week, uh, order 73 of the backbenchers' time, and order 74 of decision days. These are new additions to the old, if you like. There's one particular provision in this new standing order that, of course, is of interest to me as a journalist, and which is that all committee sittings will be public unless otherwise decided by the committee. In other words, if you sit in your committee, I'm allowed to come in there and, and carry it live to the public. Is that something that is going to be enforced strictly? Uh, yes, of, of course. Uh, even as we have the old standing orders, uh, the, this, uh, the deliberations of parliament are considered uh, as deliberations in open, you know, into the open or in public. Uh, in fact, even the plenary is uh, supposed to be a, a public event. And in all cases, if people are interested to observe proceedings of uh, Parliament uh, uh, regarding the plenary uh, discourse, 
So in other words, so, we can now come and sit in the finance committee meetings, the defense and interior of, committee meetings, and your uh, and inter- in intelligence committee meetings. That is also a public meeting because that is also considered an extension of parliament. So I see no reason why the public cannot be invited to participate or to observe. And in any case, in my in most of my committees that I belong to, where sometimes we even invite interest holders who are members of the public. So it is not a new thing to say that the public is allowed to observe proceedings of a committee of parliament. Because if the public are allowed to observe proceedings of the plenary, I see no reason why uh, the public could be excluded from uh, observing uh, proceedings of the committee. And we can carry it for journalists like ourselves, we can carry it live too. Again. Journalists like uh, ourselves well, can carry the live too. Uh, in the deliberations of uh, the committees, I think likewise the deliberations of the plenary. I think it's, it's okay if it is carried in public. Personally, I have no reservations at all. Well, let's wrap up by returning to the recitations. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that clause in this new standing orders. I want you to attempt right now the pledge. Both of them, though. Ms. Apiakubi. <laughs> yes. Well, we, we did it today, and we, I, I have a very coarse voice now. Why would you want to test my, 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 my understanding of the National Pledge? But we can hear you clearly, though, once you attempt uh, yes. it. At least we can hear Ms. Apiakubi. <laughs> don't take it that I don't, I don't know. I do it. I did it today. But we don't mind your voice You read all, it. You read it. I promise on my honor to be faithful and loyal together, my mother. This is something we've done over and over again. Please, let's move on. <laughs> and I'm sure it gave you time, Mr. Ibrahim, uh, to take a look at it. Are you able to recite it to Mr. Ahmed Ibrahim? And all that. Uh, but you are oh, not able to know. tell me now, Mr. Apiakubi. Let's let's try with Ahmed Ibrahim. Let's say who? Hello, Mr. Ibrahim. I promise on my honor to be faithful to get my mind. I promise to hold in high esteem the heritage one for us through the blood and toil of this why I've done many times. Please let go. <laughs> the way I'm confidently reciting it, don't it doesn't it give you the indication that uh, it's uh, something I've done. Over I'm concerned about how you gained your confidence at the last minute, though, when Ahmed Ibrahim started. Ahmed Ibrahim, you have the chance now. Can you also redeem yourself? I promise oh. Amana to be faithful and loyal to Ghana, my motherland. I pledge myself to the service of Ghana with all my friends and with all my heart. I promise to hold in high esteem our heritage one for us through the blood and toll of our fathers. And I pledge myself in all the good of Ghana. So help me God. So help me God. Abba. <laughs> this one for Diva. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, the, the power of the phone and internet. Yes. Yes. Just need a second. Once your internet is great, good, intervention on, there uh, on mm-hmm. Google and, and read it out. And when this first came up, mm-hmm. I remember I was on PM Express and I was hosting the MPs and I asked a question of my good friend Roxin Dafiamekbo uh, to, to give me an attempt. You know, just just attempt to to read out, <laughs> uh, not read out. You know, recite, recite it. it. He also says now you recite the pledge. Exactly. Do you know your pledge? Uh, well, I can't, I can't recite. No, but you're going to read it. <laughs> oh, yes. But I no, but you're not. Why are you going to read it? No, I'm, I'll I'm hoping read. that you just recite it. No, I'll read. It. <laughs> well, if you're going to read, it's not fun anymore. No, 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 no. I was, I'll I was read. hoping you can just recite it. I promise it. on my honor. <laughs> but you're reading. No, but I have to read. <laughs> And Roxanne Nelson, the family put there, uh, attempting to read, not recite from memory. I don't want to ask you to recite it because please, I know you please, know. Please, I have the phone here. Let me try. Your let phone. Ask, please, ask, ask now. Let's you go. To read. Okay. Recite. If, if you do the first line, I'll do the second. I promise on my honor. To be faithful and loyal. To Ghana, my motherland. I pledge I myself in all, all things. things. To be. George, you have to join us. Continue. continue. <laughs> Which one? Oh, which and there's one? only one pledge. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I just wanted to find out too. Uh-huh. I pledge myself to the service of God with all my strength. He's reading. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he came prepared. <laughs> he came prepared. <laughs> he knew so that. He has copied on his laptop when you're reading. You're reading, George.
and 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 and, and, a, and a beauty of a digital studio is yeah. that they can see you read yeah. live yeah. on Facebook my, my right now friend. and on YouTube. Just we'll go into the into just, just, just go onto the the Joy ninety nine point seven FM page we'll on Facebook and see George. Yeah. He's copied it onto his laptop because you knew we we're going to ask him and he's reading. Judge. And you all should learn your, your pledge and your national anthem. Uh, we need to all know it. At least to always remind us and be patriotic yeah. at all times. At least that's the reasoning behind but, but it. But I really like Andy Apiakubi's approach. You know, my boys, you know, and the wax, you know, he's trying to find a phone and then he found the phone and then he, the energy comes and yeah. That's oh, yeah. a good one. Pardon him. The voice was no good. Well, but he's been speaking to us at least for two <laughs> minutes before that time, you know. Anyway, why, why don't you share your own thoughts with us? 055 Who did best? Myself or MFR Power as we recited that? I started it for you. A lot happened in Parliament before we go to business, though. Uh, the issue about um, the EC and the minority in Parliament, they are vowing to fight the EC every step of the way. If it pushes through its plans to ditch the indelible ink for the 2024 election, the minority and their mother party, the NDC, say the decision will be a recipe for chaos. Minority leader Dr. Keisalato Forsin says his side and other well-meaning Ghanaians will not allow the EC to plunge the nation into chaos. By the Electoral Commission that it is doing away with indelible ink from the electoral process must be of great concern to all of us in this chamber. Right Honorable Speaker, this announcement by the Electoral Commission constitutes an attack on the integrity of Ghana's electoral process and, and poses a great danger to our democracy. This Electoral Commission enjoys taking on wholesome decisions, being disruptive, fancies courting public disaffection, and enjoys being roundly condemned by right-thinking Ghanaians. The use of indelible ink in our electoral process does no harm to the conduct of free and fair elections in the Republic of Ghana. In fact, indelible inks add another layer to the integrity of the elections by ensuring that voters are visibly, transparently, and physically verified in addition to the biometric verification system. Indelible ink has not only become a feature of our elections in the Fourth Republic, but is also a time-tested method of easily identifying persons who have already cast their ballot and therefore helps to easily prevent multiple voting. It also helps in building confidence in the conduct of elections and add to the credibility they also maintain that they are opposed to uh, the proposed change in the election date from December 7 to November. But in a ratio of bipartisanship, though, the majority leader of Seiche Mensabuns will also urge the EC to backtrack on the decision to ditch the indelible ink. They are signaling not to use indelible ink in the next elections. Mr. Speaker, I raised the matter after the conduct of the disassembly elections. And I agree with my colleague that they may have to revisit the matter. In particular because the database of the Electoral Commission, as far as some of us do know, don't talk to one another. The database for the regions talk to themselves. So you cannot vote in, let's say, Swami, and then run to Offensive North. To vote will be caught because there is synchronized, but they don't go beyond the regions. So it is possible one person to vote in Accra and dash to Bali to cast his or her vote. <laughs> so, Mr. Speaker, to that extent, to the extent that the database is not talking to in the various regions, are not talking to themselves, it's important that we, we further guarantee any abuse, preventing any abuse of the system by resorting to the use of indelible ink. Um, in the course of the MPP elections, the indelible ink was applied. What, however, I saw was that the ink that was applied was not fast enough. You could easily rub it. So we are appealing to the Electoral Commission to reintroduce it and also ensure that the ink that they apply is very fast. I guess the ball is now in the court of the Electoral Commission. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll see what they say about this going forward. So live here on Newsnight 
on Joy 99.7 FM. And guess who is still <laughs> with us? George. He, has he moved on to the yeah, script just yet? Up. So maybe you should ask him. We should him ask him. Yeah, okay, George, check, yeah. check George, let's, let's <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have anything on this, George. George. Time is up for us to do the, the news so we can go and ahead. The and well, coming up, economist Dr. Tio Champon challenges claims Ghana needs IMF approval to scrap tasks on domestic electricity consumption and traders cite high inflation rate as a major factor, eroding purchase and power of consumers was warning that these taxes could erode recent economic gains. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business, Kingdom Books and Stationers, Sinters Tanks, and Pepsodent, Charcoal and Hairball. You welcome back to Business on Newsnight. Economist Dr. Tue Champon is challenging claims that government may need IMF's approval to scrap the tax on domestic logistic consumption and other levies. It follows concerns that Ghana may struggle to review these taxes because it is part of program conditions that will require to get fresh disbursement from the fund. Dr. Champon disagrees with these arguments. Even for this particular fiscal year 2024, if we're still able to keep tabs on some of the spending commitments, then you do not need to introduce those new taxes. And that should be the portrait and what we go and communicate to, to the IMF. I don't think that the IMF should have any issue whatsoever with uh, uh, a sovereign nation like Ghana saying that, yeah, we said we're going to do this. However, on second thought, perhaps the timing is an issue and we, we need to be able to support households one way or the other without imposing undue burden on them. Economist and political risk analyst Dr. Tio Echampong. Now, Bank of Ghana Governor Dr. Ernest Addison has maintained that inflows under the IMF program has gone a long way to help stabilize the local currency. The city has witnessed some sustained blips against the dollar last month despite inflows from the fund. This has led to some questioning the impact of the IMF program as well as recent inflows. But Dr. Ernest Addison says the situation could have been worse without the fund program. Since January last year, the city has literally been very fair. I mean, for the 11 months of the year, we saw only a depreciation of 7%. So this is not a fixed exchange rate. But if you look at the graph, it appears as if the CD has been fixed, right? But that reflects, you know, some of the improved external sector conditions, the improvement in the current account balance, the improvement in the foreign exchange buffers of the central bank, and, and then the emergence of confidence in the economy, and therefore the currency has remained relatively stable. At least we are not seeing the very high depreciation that you were seeing in 2022. Remember, the currency depreciated by over 50% in 2022. Now this year we are looking at seven. That's the impact of the flows that have come in. Bank of Ghana Governor Dr. Ernest Addison. Now, traders say the high inflation rate over the past month has impacted badly on the purchasing power of consumers. The development is said to have affected sales of traders and businesses despite the recent economic stability. President of the Ghana Union Trade Association, Joseph Obin, said the situation could be worsened by the recent taxes that government is implementing. And the government keep piling the, the taxes that will come and then cause this the gains that we are having and that's why we are talking against the new taxes because at least we are able to achieve exceedingly our revenue targets so if this electricity tax and then emission is a form of um, a ta um, enhancement of um, the revenue uh, collection then of course um, we are just thinking about revenue without thinking about uh, uh, productivity Joseph Obeng is president of the Ghana Union of Traders Association. 
The National Petroleum Authority says it doesn't expect any significant forex savings for Ghana following the establishment of Sanjiu oil refinery here in the country. Now, there have been reports of some huge dollar savings for the country following the establishment of this refinery in Ghana. Joy Business understands that some bulk oil distributors could be moving soon to buy products from that oil refinery. But the head of economic regulations of the National Petroleum Authority, Abata Sunti, says that we may have been measured with our expectations. The operation of local refineries is a plus. First of all, from the point of view of um, product availability, security, uh, product supply security, it's very, very important for us to know that local refineries, when they are operational, it helps us. In terms of price, it's not very direct. Uh, because even if the product is being refined here, the crude oil is still imported and you need Forex to import the crude oil. So it is not a direct, uh, there's no direct relationship with a local refinery operating and having an impact on um, prices. What we rather expect is that that local refinery should operate efficiently because all petroleum products are still benchmarked on international prices. A local refinery here producing the price, they will benchmark it to what the other refineries in the world are, are selling at. So our interest here mainly is to ensure there's, there's a, the sustainability of products coming from the local refinery. But in terms of price, we continue to ensure that even the local refinery is also pricing in accordance with the pricing regulations we have. So if there's going to be any uh, benefit we have from pricing, that's if the refinery is very efficient. What happens is that the importers will stop importing and then will prefer to buy from the local refinery because it makes sense to import from the local refinery. But that local refinery is not going to sell the product in CDs to the uh, bulk import and distribution ex and export companies because it also needs the dollars to pay for the crude that it imports. Abbas Tassinti is head of economic regulations at the National Petroleum Authority to the stock market. And if you hold shares of Calbank, it is down by two pesos at the end of trading today. And it's now worth 48 pesos. And that's all for business on Newsnight. Back to you, MFA and events. And thank you very much, George. And uh, we'll bring you a few of your messages on our WhatsApp console pretty shortly. And you can share your thoughts, 055 I want to take you to the Eastern region where there have been a lot of focus as far as the security situation there is, is concerned. The Eastern Regional Minister, Senator Champon, has been asking the police officers deployed there uh, to Kwehuk Bipon in the wake of the violent attack to remain professional in the discharge of their duties. His assurance comes on the back of claims that majority of female residents and some health workers uh, have fled the town following the incident. Well, irate youth who attacked the chief's palace on Sunday demanding an immediate release of a suspected killer uh, for lynching resorted to violence after their request was turned down. The situation has since led to the closure of schools and the two health facilities in the town. The police in two separate statements say it has arrested 71 persons connected to the vandalism of the chief's palace, police vehicle and motorbikes and other private properties during the protest. Well, we can listen to the charge of the regional Minister to the men of the Ghana Police Service on the grounds earlier today. We are seeing positive results on the mission we are here for. So I am here to announce to you that, on behalf of His Excellency the President of the Republic, who happens to be the Commander in Chief of all armed forces of our country, he expects nothing but ensuring that we have stability, we have peace, and we have harmony in this community. And I know since your arrival, the community themselves are the ones witnessing your professionalism and dedication to duty. And so this is to equally express my encouragement on behalf of our Regional Security Council to tell you that please keep up the good work you're doing and help us maintain public order in this town. Without you, we would not experience the ambience we are enjoying. I'm speaking freely because you have brought in some peace and it is what I came to enjoy. But I'll not just enjoy the peace and walk away, but rather encourage you and strengthen you to do more to help Mother Ghana. And in particular, Kwao Bepon, this is where 
the matter have brought you. So please do your best to help us. You know, the entire town was shut down. Businesses stopped operating. Well, the regional minister tells us that that now has been resolved. Businesses are back operating. As we speak, people are going about their duties very normal. Police is still on the search for corporates who are considered as suspects, engaging the community and giving them the confidence that police is in there to grant some form of relief. We are here to offer you the best of protection so you can go about your duties freely. For instance, last night, traders who do buy their services at night or were on the street and in the corridors, going about their businesses as usual. So they've realized that uh, there's nothing disturbing. We are really working strongly at restoring the peace that they enjoyed previously before this uh, situation. Now we can hear uh, from the Kweu South Municipal Health Director, whom you interacted with yesterday, uh, Dr. Kweu and how they've recalled their personnel uh, for their safety. Now he's now telling Joy News that the two health facilities in the area have reopened. I think they, they are post and offering their usual services that they provide. So so far as I speak to you now, they are they are they are working. Has this decision been on the assurance from security personnel on the ground that it is safe to go back to work now? Yes, yes, I I I I, I think so. Is is uh, I mean analyzing the security situation currently, I think things are back to uh, normal to some extent. So the advice that we can uh, proceed to do our normal duties. So both the chips compound and the the community health center are all working. Yes, both the chips compound and the uh, health center are both operational, fully operational. Is any of them bring any issue to your attention, any concern to your attention? Not really. But when I spoke with them earlier, they indicated that uh, so far they've uh, attended to four clients, and one apparently complained that he was assaulted by uh, some security personnel. In the course of today? Yes, in the course of today. We saw four clients and one reportedly claimed they had been assaulted by the security agent uh, operatives. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they ran their normal as they used to. Well, so that's the situation in um, Kweu, Bipong, and um, thankfully, you know, earlier the minister told us that um, he was visiting the area. He's been there, and we are short of calm and security beefed up in the area. Let's um, do sports now, and Ms. Bao joins us in the studio. Yeah, MFO, um, Parliament Parliament has been buzzing, heard about the, the new, you know, standing orders. and the, you want to try? You mean resign the national pledge? Yeah. Oh, I can do that. Let's I go. can do that. Well, let me just do the sports and I'll come no, in. No, I want you to do the sports. Because after the sports, you have time. I know you're going on television. Well, I think we've got some, a lot of time here, so we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. But the speaker has been speaking. The speaker has been speaking. The speaker has been speaking of the Black Stars, and of course, everybody seems to be speaking of the Black Stars. And he says the sacking of coaches of the national football team uh, will not deal with the issue of poor performance of the team. The Black Stars finished third in Group B at the AFCON, hesitating the competition without a win of their loss to Cape Verde and draws with Egypt and Mozambique. Now, head coach Chris Eaton was sacked in the aftermath, while the technical team has also been dissolved. Abraham Bagwin says there must be a comprehensive strategy aimed at dealing with the challenges confronting Ghana's football. The Black Stars and their handlers must know that they represent more than just a football team. Sacking of coaches is not the panacea to the challenges. We must evaluate our football infrastructure, youth development programs, coaching standards, and administrative structures to identify areas for improvement. Our national teams should represent the breadth and diversity of Ghana's football talent. Ghanaians must invest in a holistic and sustainable development of sports and culture. Parliament will appreciate an opportunity to work with other stakeholders towards this common goal.
Uh, Speaker Alban Bagbin over there. Evans, we are building up to the semi-finals of the African Cup of Nations tournament. And one game, one game that will interest you because there's some really interesting figures coming out of that game is the game between Ivy Coast, the host nation, and DR Congo. Now, what we can establish that for all the four teams that have made it to the semi-finals in this year's competition, all of them have won the AFCON before. All of them have won it before. Nigeria got the most titles in there with three. Ivory Coast got two. South Africa got two. And DR Congo have one. Now, DR Congo, who've got one, who've got two, rather, I beg your pardon, who've got two. Afcons, they will play in Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast got two. Now, this is interesting because DR Congo, for the two Afcons they have won, they won it defeating the host nation in the semifinal. Now, in 1968, they defeated Ethiopia, the host nation, went on to win it in the semifinal. In 1974, defeated Egypt in the semifinal, the host nation, and went on to win it in the final. And this year, tomorrow, they will be playing the host nation, Ivy Coast. And everybody's thinking history might just repeat itself. But the last time these two sides met in 2015, in the semifinal, Ivy Coast won it, except they were not the host nation. So can DR Congo repeat the magic? Just maybe. Just maybe. Just maybe. And we'll be watching. Thank you, Ms. Bao. A few of your messages now, Anne. Yeah, we have this one from Jones Adoboy in La. He says, I think the new decision in parliament is in the right direction. This will instill the sense of patriotism in our parliamentarians. Kudos to Speaker Bagbing. We have this one from BB Mustafa and Techiman says, I like the new patriotic nature of our parliament as they seek to push Ghana first in their work. But that reminds me of Professor Dominic Fobi and his failure to recite the pledge. You remember some years back at the appointments committee. <laughs> and then this one also from Blaine Kumasi says, reciting the pledge in parliament does not transform the country. MPs should rather be disciplined and avoid corruption. And um, Senna says electoral commission boards must accept what the majority leader have said in the House today. And we have this one says, I must say, I admire the current GJA president so the association can be this tough. This is very refreshing. He has our full support. Public officials should get themselves ready. I'm elated. This is great. That's from Sir Frederick in Kaswa. Mm. Some of your messages. And you're live here on News Night on Joy 99.7 FM. Well, MFI, you know, yesterday there have been rumors that cabinet had taken the decision asking the finance minister to go and renegotiate, so to speak, over the 15% that he had planned to impose on electricity consumption. Well, it is no rumor now because it has now been confirmed mm -hmm. by the Deputy Energy Minister, Andy Japamesa, who confirmed to us while speaking to my colleague, Elton Broby, that indeed cabinet has instructed the finance minister to open dialogue with the finance minister, uh, to, with IMF on the alternatives and what can be done. Listen to him. Because the finance ministry wanted to engage with the labor unions uh, for a buy-in. Okay, what it then meant was that the Ministry of Finance still believed that the rollout ought to take place at some point. Our cabinet says engage the, world, uh, the IMF, okay? Uh, to see how we can deploy some, uh, uh, and critically, uh, expenditure cuts, okay? Because if this revenue is intended to fund some expenditure item, then a cut in expenditure will mean that you've dealt with that, uh, the need for the rollout of that uh, particular tax handle. And so let's see how the engagements go. Um, uh, obviously, uh, uh, we are in a difficult situation. And I welcome uh, constructive criticism uh, mm. because obviously government can never be perfect. Mm. Okay, you have issues with, uh, with with some decision making that you roll out. Uh, but if the criticism is constructive, mm. uh, regardless of what it is that you may say, oh, but when we're in power, this is what you did to us, and so it's a question of date for time. Then it's an unending cycle. But we need to progress. Okay, we need to make a, a, a forward march towards nation building. Yes, let's engage. Let's see how it is that we can uh, cross this hurdle, if you like, so that, you know, we can, we can, we can put our economy back on track. The IMF is clear, though, mm -hmm. IMF Apau, because clearly it's going to be a difficult process going forward. We've been listening to the IMF director of the African Department, Abebe Selassie. He's been stressing the necessity for Ghana to adhere strictly to the agreed program. <laughs> you know uh, is being implemented uh, effectively yeah we just went to the board recently uh, with the first program review uh, following of course uh 
the policies that the government has uh, been putting in place uh, to address the you know huge imbalances uh, Ghana was facing through last year, uh, and of course creditors signaling that they uh, official creditors signaling that they. Um, will provide debt relief uh, consistent with what uh, Ghana needs. Um, so we just went to the board, uh, I think, um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what I can say is that going forward, it will be really, really important that Ghana continues to implement the program uh, that they have developed uh, as envisaged. Um, that is really uh, critical. Uh, these programs are not, uh, you know, are designed to be implemented over three, four years. Um, uh, and it's really important that, you know, you stick the, uh, Ghana sticks the course uh, and sees the program being implemented over the next uh, three years. So we look forward to continuing to support Ghana uh, consistent with the program implementation. Well, that's uh, the IMF at that press conference in Washington earlier today. What, what subject did you do at Aquinas? Um, general arts. General arts. I read literature. Mm. What else? Geography. Okay. And economics. I did science. You know that, right? You did elective science. science. I did biology, chemistry, physics, elective maths, and core math and integrated science. I was wondering why I had to do all these four and still do core science and inter integrated science and core math. Well, um, today, uh, the National Council and Curriculum and Assessment NACA says students who offer elective science at the senior high school would no longer write exams for core math and integrated science starting from the 2024-2025 academic year as part of of the changes in the pre-tertiary curriculum, it's only students who signed on to other courses aside from science will be examined in core maths and integrated science. We can hear from the Director General of, the, of NACA, Professor Edward Appiah, explaining. First of all, no, this is part of the new curriculum we are running from primary GHS and the final one is the SHS. So we are saying that with a new one, we used to have core maths and then elective maths for all students, you do core maths, and then the science students will also add elective maths. But we are saying that the new curriculum, you do core maths, which is additional maths, and that is for the pure science students. They won't do any other maths, because what they are going to do, it's good enough for them to do their subjects when they want to move up. Basically, that is what it is. So you don't do a repetition. We've heard that you are doing core maths, you are doing elective maths, it's a repetition. And also, science students would also no yes, longer okay. so, study... You know, one of the things is that the integrated science happened because we're doing the JHS, which were not too strong for science, and therefore they needed to top it up when they get to the secondary school. But now that what we have developed now, the foundation for junior high school is also is good enough. So we feel that if that one is done and he's a pure science student, that's all. He will continue with the biology, physics, and chemistry so that it will be enriched. You don't repeat integrated science again because you are a pure science student. You are doing physics, chemistry, biology. So, Prop, at this stage, is it a proposal or is it something no, 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 that? No, no, no. That's what we have. That's what we have put together. I mean. We know the JHS, they are in their third year now. Next year, they move into a new curriculum. They can't continue with the old one because they started a new. MFA is very happy with this. I because wish you I struggled would. with your... I wish they introduced it back in the day. your course objectives. Yeah, too. because you're focusing on the elective. And then by the time you realize you're failing in the, the coins that because you have to... Pass I guess elective maths, physics, chemistry. You, you pass your elective maths? Elective maths, no, <laughs> I didn't. I can't start standing here. I didn't. You, you struggled in both. I did Second World War. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. Oh, yeah, but I passed Second World War. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, now, look at me. I didn't even use it for anything. There you go. <laughs> and guess who is joining us? Adobia is joining us with. Oh, now she's Adobia. Yeah. Squad, yes. Okay. She's always been You're giving Adobia. her a different name today. <laughs> no, hey, she's always been. Please, speak for yourself. I'm Adobia. I know. Adobia Brichu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Peps, Now we are at Adobia. Yes, we are. Hi, Adobia. Hi, Arifa. Look at me. What are we talking about tonight? Last week, we started a conversation yes. on LinkedIn, how people can optimize yeah, their helpful. LinkedIn profile for job hunting and then also for their personal brand. And I think I just have a quick question for you. 